Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's guest is somebody that I've been, I don't know if I've been talking about him as much as I've been talking about what he's done. Uh, Dr. Romanoff, if you're familiar with, is the creator and founder of The Pose Method. And years ago, when I first got to Onnit in 2017 as director of human optimization and host of the Onnit podcast, the Total Human Optimization podcast, and all that fun shit, making supplements, I was introduced to the very best of the best in, in any particular thing. And uh, John Wolf, being the master trainer at Onnit, was telling me that I have to take a running seminar. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't know. I don't really care for running that much. And he's like, that's why you got to do it. This guy is doing something that's different than anyone else. Uh, he's been doing it for years. He's an old timer and he knows the shit inside and out. I was like, all right. And everyone who took the seminar swore by it. Then years later, uh, when I wasn't no longer working on it, I popped in. We still do a lot there. I get my rehab done there, train there, that kind of shit. And I popped in and I ran into Dr. Romanoff and his son, Severin, who were in town getting ready to do another trip to hang with the army and, uh, and teach them everything they know about running. So I was like, oh shit, man, I remember you guys. And they had given me one of their books, which I never admittedly got around to reading. And it really wouldn't have done much because I just needed to do the damn seminar. So finally, after years, uh, they said, hey, I, I told them I don't have time. Just I exchanged uh, numbers with Severin. And I said, uh, let me know when you guys are back in town. I will come and do a seminar. I've been beating around the bush with it for f fucking five, six years. So they came back. I took the seminar with my wife and was fucking blown away. Now I've trained, I'm not a fantastic runner by any stretch of the imagination. I don't claim to be, don't claim to be a fantastic sprinter or a fantastic distance runner. I've done one ultra marathon and it was cool. That was enough for me. Done a handful of half marathons, cool. Uh, I ran like a 4640. That was my fastest 40 and did not do so when I was in college. I did so after the fact when I was training in the UFC. So I've never was really fast in football and definitely not in high school football. But I say all that not to disqualify myself. I say that because I, I did train with some pretty fucking awesome people. The guy who got me to a 4640 was Remy Korchemny. And Remy Korchemny was introduced to me from Victor Conti, who did a lot of work with his athletes. And uh, Remy was fantastic. And, and from a similar area as Dr. Romanoff, uh, you know, former USSR, and uh, but different countries within there. It's a vast area. It's like saying you're from the US. Sure, we're from the US. We're from different places. but. Anywho, uh, what Dr. Romanoff was proposing was that everything that we had been taught about running was utter nonsense. And what he was finding was the commonalities between certain places that we all get to in the running that make running uh, not unique, but that there is a position we wind up in in running, which is what we call this particular pose. And so pose method was born by finding the commonality between all runners. So heel striker, toe striker, that kind of shit. And for people who don't care about running, and I certainly didn't myself, what it meant was I could find a way to run that didn't hurt. Now, I'm not overweight. Uh, I have a high BMI because I have a high muscle mass. Like most of you guys, if you lift weights, probably are in the same category. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything about health, but I've never really enjoyed running. I found a way to enjoy it when I'm running with my wife or if I'm doing a race, I can find a little rhythm, get the runner's hike and push through the burn. And then I'm like, all right, that was worth it. That was cool. But I'm always sore and it does bang up my big body to run until I started doing pose method. And I was like, this is a fucking game changer, an absolute game changer. And I came on the podcast and I told everyone about it. And I said, you guys, I got to get you guys on the podcast. And that took a long time. It took a long time to go by 
uh, several months before we could finally lock down a time. What Dr. Romanoff and what really what Severin put together was our own private little seminar, which was fucking incredible. We had them out at the farm. I had all the farm crew out there. The kids came. Bear was asking great questions and doing it with them. He ran the whole way with them. And I just think like, what a special thing to be able to do. Now, this podcast is different in that it is much, much, much longer than I normally podcast. And the reason for that is I didn't want to jump in. Dr. Romanoff has his own cadence. I promise you, if you listen closely enough, you're going to understand through the, through the thick Russian accent that he, you'll know what the fuck he's saying. And um, it's really an incredible story. I mean, this guy lived through the 1980s. He lived through the fall of the Soviet Union. He was there for all of it and somehow found his way into the United States. And like all things, no one thought this guy was talking about any, he thought, they, they thought everything he was saying about running was total bullshit. Everyone from the old running world did not want to give up what they knew. Sounds a lot like science, right? And he's a scientist. He is an absolute scientist and professor. And uh, they didn't want to change their tune. So it took him coming here. And his story is fucking incredible how he ended up working with, I mean, he works with the best teams on earth now. He works with the US Olympic team, the British Olympic team, the Chinese Olympic team. I mean, if you, and he has a, he works with the US military. He looks, works with armed forces. And the army and, and the army was losing $500 million a year in running injuries because people are told, you know, they're not runners. Then they come in, they have to run for basic training. They don't know how to run and they get hurt. Most people who want to get in shape say, I'm going to start running. And I have fucking, I have, I have neighbors like this. They see me going for a jog with the kids and they're like, I'm going to start running. They get inspired and they just go out and run their ass off. And most of them get hurt. So when I, when I run into people and they see them running and they're like, Hey man, I'm trying to get like you or whatever the hell their, their, their story is. I'm like, dude, you got to check out pose method, go on to Instagram, check them out. I'll link to there in the show notes. If you do anything from this podcast, go to their website and follow them on the gram because videos help more than anything else. The book is fantastic. The running revolution and has sold a shit ton. I think it's the highest selling runner's book ever written, but most importantly, you got to see what these drills look like. You got to try this for yourself. And the truth is, I never enjoyed running until I got with these guys. And now at 41 years old, I really enjoy running. I, I enjoy the fuck out of running. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's become easy. It's become pain-free. And it become faster at the same time as a side effect of that, which is cool. It's like, all right, awesome. Dr. Romoff, if you can stick through this podcast, I can assure you, this is one hell of a fucking story. And that's why I just let him go and go and go. I was not about to cut this dude off or cut short any anything that he found to be an important segment in his life. He's in his 70s, and he goes through the full catalog of his life that brought him to where he is today. And it is a fucking beautiful and exceptional story. He's an exceptional human. I love him very much, and I love his work. His son, Severin, is fucking awesome, too. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, Wim Hof and his son, you know, like <laughs> kind of being the businessman of 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 Daddy Wim going out and changing the world. Make no mistake, Dr. Romanoff is changing the world. There's no two ways about it. There are many ways you can support this podcast. First and foremost, share it with people. Everyone fucking runs or has tried to run. So share this far and wide with everybody and let them know like this is a big one here and just let them know like, hey, if you don't do anything else, just share the website with them. Really get these guys tuned into to the running revolution and what these guys are all about. We'll have links to everything in the show notes so you don't have to go dig it out. Um, if at any point you get bored, just go to the show notes. Say, all right, cool, man. I heard enough. I want to go check this shit out for myself and actually immerse yourself in what they're teaching because it is, it is insane. 
He's also, I should say, he's done this with swimming. He's because he got in through triathlons. He d- he's done this with swimming. He's found the pose method scientifically for cycling. So if those are your things, he's got all of this. And most critically, I found this out after the fact, he's found the pose method for boxing and Lemonchenko and working with guys like that that have stupid power in their hands but aren't very big actually participate in the pose method of boxing, which now I've been incorporating and I'm like, good God, like I get it. That's a lot of of the way Bruce Lee used to train, believe it or not, which makes plenty of sense. How do I generate power in a three-inch punch? There's actually ways you can train that. So there is something for everyone in here. If you're not a runner, I can assure you. And uh, knowing this guy's story inside and out is really cool. It's really fucking cool. So support this podcast by sharing it far and wide. Leave us a five-star review with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life. Organifi.com all year long will be picking one winner at the end of each month. So leave your Twitter or X rather, Instagram or Facebook handle, and my team will be able to get to you the best, the best the best review wins. That's it. So you leave one or two reasons the show's helped you out in life. It can be lengthy. It can be short. doesn't matter. It's not about length. It's about quality, as they say. Oh, baby. And uh, when you get that, then we'll be sure to send you out one of my favorite products from Organifi. Organifi.com has been one of the longest running sponsors. So Organifi.com slash KKP is a place you can go for 20% off everything from Organifi's list. If you head there right now, you can grab a Sunrise to Sunset kit to be covered with red, green, and gold and you'll get 20% off using code KKP. That's really their landmark products, the first three that I've mentioned, the red, the green, and the gold. And I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. I've also talked to you guys a lot about Peak Power, which is a phenomenal drink for focus and performance and hydration. So focus meaning there's going to be nootropics and things that help really tune the brain into high-level thinking and acuity and the performance is you have it as a pre-workout this shit's gonna fucking light you up the hydration of course is an important piece of performance but a lot of times these aren't linked together you know you might take a pre-workout that doesn't have an electrolyte matrix in it and so you're ended up stacking the two or mixing some things around everything you want pre-workout pre-study pre-everything is in the peak power so i highly recommend you check that out and again 20 percent off with kkp everything there they've also just come out with Organifi Shilajit gummies for energy, performance, and strength. This is the fucking very best way, the very best way to take in Shilajit. And vanilla cardamom is, or vanilla cinnamon rather, are the flavor of the gummies. They taste incredible. And to be perfectly honest, anybody who's ever messed around with Shilajit knows it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's sticky. It gets everywhere. You got to have a hot drink to mix it in with or it won't mix. You're not sure if you're getting every last drop or if 80% of it's clinging to the side of your drink. This is by far the easiest way to consume Shilajit, and it is one of the master minerals and, and matrices that, that Mother Nature has come up for us to, to make ourselves whole and to give ourselves all the micronutrition that we absolutely need. Check it out, www.organifi.com slash KKP, and remember the code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in the store. Thank you to Organifi for being one of the longest running sponsors we've had here. We're also brought to you today by the New Biology Clinic. You may have heard one of my previous interviews with Dr. Thomas Cowan. Tom is an alternative medicine doctor, author, and speaker. He has become well-known in the health freedom community for his common-sense, holistic approach to health and wellness. The very foundations of mainstream medicine and modern biology are fatally flawed. And trust me, we deep-dived this in our very last conversation. There is no, no bullshitting or beating around the bush when it comes to this. Health practitioners basing their treatments on these flawed concepts have patients that keep getting sicker. Our healthcare system has failed us. This is not new information. Uh, 
to the degree that you understand that is to the degree that you're actually healthy. Once you get healthy through alternative means, you look back on that and you say, fuck, these people are fucked. They're not getting any better. And the vast majority of people aren't getting better. We need to think of a new way. That is why Cowan, Dr. Cowan and his colleagues recently launched a healing movement called The New Biology that helps people take ownership of their health and wellness. The principles of The New Biology are grounded in fact, careful observation, what science really is, and adhere to the scientific method. It is a refreshingly new way of seeing the world. It is a refreshingly new way of seeing the living world and what does and doesn't make us sick. For practitioners, Dr. Cowan has an online course on healing with the new biology with pre-recorded videos and books, six group calls, plus ongoing office hours with Dr. Cowan and inclusion in the practitioner database. For individuals and families, the new biology clinic offers health consults and private fitness sessions. Monthly memberships include consults as needed, group fitness sessions, a resource library, and live stream events. Non-members can also schedule a one-time health consult or private fitness sessions. Go to thenewbiology.com to learn more. That's T-H-E-N-E-W-B-I-O-L-O-G-Y.com to learn more. Thank you very much, Tom. You're, you're one of the best people on the planet right now, spreading truth. We're also brought to you by one of my longest sponsors, Lucy. Lucy.co is absolutely phenomenal. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. We're closing this year out. Don't wait to start your New Year's resolution. Make a switch to a better nicotine. Actually, we can't say better, but yet they say best already in there. It's the end of the year. Don't wait for the new year. Why not switch it out by swapping to a new nicotine that you can feel good about? If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O and use promo code KKP at checkout. They're going to get 20% off of everything in the store. These guys are hooking it up. Listen, the government is banning vapes. The government is reducing the amount of nicotine in cigarettes. There's never been a better time to give Lucy a try. There's great flavors, multiple strengths, and it's the only nicotine pouch with a capsule inside that keeps it fresh. I love this stuff on airplane flights. I love this anywhere where they'd tell me you can't have that. And traditional tobacco, even if you're not spitting it, if they see it in your mouth, they're going to tell you you can't use that. So I like using something like Lucy.co when I'm in air travel, if I'm in the gym, a library, you name it, if I'm on campus somewhere and I can't have tobacco products, this is exactly the thing that I'm looking for. And it's a great way to get yourself highly tuned in. Nicotine is the thing when it comes to uh, hyper-focus and all nootropics are trying to create more acetylcholine, which nicotine fits in the exact same receptors of. So check it all out, lucy.co, L-U-C-Y.co, and use promo code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in the store. Last but not least, we're brought to you by the homies at Cured Nutrition. I want to talk about their sleep bundle. We all know that a full night of sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing our overall health. Cured Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to ensuring that you get a full night of sleep every night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, cannabinoids, and adaptogens, while CBN is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. These supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBN and CBD create a synergistic whole body effect. When it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body's natural 
Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep into REM and back again. Some people can't fall asleep, others can't stay asleep, and then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what is keeping you from your true rest and restoration, the sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. I've been using this for several months now, and I absolutely love it. I, I, it's clear that our endocannabinoid system is ripe to hook this up. And we can produce these things exogenously on our own, but having a little mother nature cure every now and then, or certainly for longer periods of time can do wonders, not just for our sleep, but for inflammation, for fat loss, and all the other things that a good night of sleep helps with. Recovery is the name of the game when it comes to sleep. And cannabinoids are a big part of that alongside the adaptogens and other herbs that they throw into this matrix. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners. You can grab Zen and CBN in the Sleep Bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by visiting www.curednutrition.com KKP and using the coupon code KKP at checkout. With this extra discount, you're getting 36% off the regular price. Yep, that's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com KKP and coupon code KKP at checkout to save an extra 20%. Check it all out there. Thank you guys so much. And welcome, Dr. Romanoff. Doctor, it is excellent to have you here on the podcast. I've, I've been a fan of yours for a while. I think I met you originally at Onnit back in the days when I was working there. And John Wolf, who was our master trainer and one of my heroes, um, he was like, oh, God, have you met Dr. Romanoff? And, he, and he's going on and on. And, and everyone had the book. You know, everyone had your book and I was like, no, and you guys handed me a copy and I think it was, I had something going on that weekend. Um, so I wasn't able to do the workshop on the pose method, but like that planted a seed in me. And I remember telling your son, Severin, I was like, anytime you guys come to town, I want to know about it. And, um, fortunately we, even though I don't work there anymore and on it sold, I bumped back, back into you guys the last time you were in town or two times ago when you're in town. And, uh, we started scheduling, looking at dates and. I put, put it in my calendar when you guys be in town next. And my wife and I got to come and take one of your seminars. And it was absolutely fucking mind-blowing. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done. It shattered everything I'd been taught about running previous, which was laughable, but also kind of par for the course as I've gone on. And, and whether it's uh, you know food and nutrition science or any of these things, like a lot of the things we were taught in schools you know, was incorrect. So, so it, it kind of fell right in line with... with um, you know, my general understanding of health and wellness and athleticism, but at the same time, it was really refreshing and, and brilliant in that you, you basically found a way to understand what links us all in running and, and, and to, to, dif- to get rid of the differences, right? And if we look at the world politically or as a whole right now, and everyone's so focused on division, what is the thing that unites us? And that's really what you did with running. So we're going to dive into that, but I also want to know, as I do with any of these podcasts, where you're from, what was life like growing up, and how come you became the person you are? How did you become the person you are today? Um, it's in one side. It's easy because about myself. Um, uh, from another side, it's uh, difficult because it's about myself. <laughs> and it's dialectic. <laughs> As a history of my life, it's quite... Um, Easy points, which I was born in May 1951, you know, on the way from Moscow to Kamchatka. My mom was running 
to the parents, your parents, my grandparents, and uh, I got uh, um, appearance into this world on my way in Siberia. <laughs> it's a known very big city of um, mines. It's uh, coals. It's called Novokuznetsk. Uh, at the time, it called different name by mm. the name of. But this, now it's Novokuznetsk. Yeah, it's a difficult because it's a Russian, like not syllables, just the uh, more consonants. Yes, letters. You know, it's a difficult to pronounce, but it was there. And uh, my life actually, like with a conscience, memories started in Kamchatka. You probably know this peninsula on the far east. Mm. It's uh, right across uh, Alaska. <laughs> oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I live in the biggest uh, city. It's Petrovalos Kamchatsky. And uh, I saw all beauties of this um, place uh, because nature is amazing. Obviously, I still have these memories of that place because it's a volcanic place, geysers, uh, and obviously it's a seafood. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, my memory carry on the smell of crabs. <laughs> oh man, I bet. <laughs> and, yeah, cold water, cold water for seafood is yeah. nothing better than that. Oh yeah. my god, that, I mean, um, uh, caviar. All it was full table, you know. And I ask mom all the time, like, do you have something else? No, no, no. It's a incredible severe winters. Uh, severity of like that your house could be covered by snow up to the roof <laughs> and we wow. get out during the winter time it was uh, no sound completely you know you, you know this yeah you're that far north right yes it's correct how <laughs> long did that last uh, I know it's different in different parts of Alaska. I've got family in Sitka. Yes. Uh, I spent some time in Sitka near there fishing in the Kenai Peninsula but that's all really far south you know west coast it's not it's correct it's not where where they're having you know uh, months without light. Tem temperature is severe as well in the summertime it's hot like hell you know could be you know and the winter it could be cold like hell <laughs> in like minus 50 you know Damn. Uh, so nobody goes work and nobody goes school or anything everyone has uh, food in the house, and we are enjoying time there because you cannot go anywhere. It's just uh, any only special transportation like um, snow um, mobile mobiles, yeah. But it's available only for uh, customs guys who were on the border. <laughs> it, it was a funny story with that, and we had um, people of native people, Chukchi and Kareki. Uh, who were in my memory? I remember they were with um, this mooses, you know, the, not mooses, like uh, they were um, uh, mooses, right? It's moose? Moose. They wore like a moose skin? Not, not, not moose. It's uh, animals. Where they... Oh, big mooses that are there. Yes, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, you don't call them meese. Oh, moose. <laughs> mooses. Yeah, moose. Moose. Moose is the plural, actually, right. for multiple moose. Mooses. Yes, they're giant. Oh, right. I saw one in Alaska. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize uh, how many people die 
from car accidents with moose yeah until i saw one and we were in a lifted truck and it was fucking way taller than the truck i was like holy shit i didn't know something like that existed and in nature they're giants and they keep the herds this of mooses and basically they are not hunters but what is called shepherds you know Mm, yeah and they were very ingenious and very uh natured people (laughs) And with Winchesters, you know, the, the rifle. rifles, you yeah. know, the, later on, I understood, like, how the hell they have these American Winchesters, <laughs> <laughs> because they had relatives <laughs> across the Bering <laughs> Stream, uh, yeah. and there is no bother was really, you know. Would you consider those, are those people considered Inuit or Eskimo, or I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, know, no, that, it, that it, was it, only on the American side? Uh, or? Eskimo, it's a... American side, okay. on the outside, they are Chukchi and Kareki. Okay. But very similar in, yeah, in lineage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They okay. speak the same language. Okay, you know? cool. That's why they have Winchesters, because they cross. They got the friends, yeah. They got family. No, the families. And they all have this. When they get drunk, they start shooting at them. Francis, mom told me. Sounds like Texans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there anywhere. They start shooting. You know. uh, it's a very wild west, <laughs> east. <laughs> so that part, and then we start moving back. And our first step or stop was uh, in Siberia. In the, around the Lake Baikal, and I spent a couple of years there with my parents again, with grandparents. A beautiful, beautiful place. It's incredible nature again, you know. Since that time, I fall in love with that nature. It's very severe nature, obviously. If you're not ready to accept this, <laughs> it will kill you, you know. But at the same time, it's an um, incredible source for everything. Food, it's there. <laughs> you you just need to know how to get to this food and clean absolutely nature. You know, know this, uh, all this stuff what we see right now with plastic yeah. bags and these uh, filthy things. And clean, clean water. You can drink from river. Wow. This is what how clean. And during... <clears throat> Summertime, it's so many berries, different kind, you know. And I mean, it's incredible. You can live without any problem. And native people over there who live there, uh, really honest, uh, very trusting people, they never close the doors in the houses. Mm. No, any locks, anything there because of that level of trust to everything, you know. And uh, people who would come there with a bad intention would be very quickly recognized, you know, because different behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Different energy, too. Uh, Yes, right. That's why they cannot stay long there (laughs) among these people. (laughs) Trust and that uh, very good nature of people allows, creates this kind of incredible environment of, of and obviously, these people are incredibly brave. Do you understand? They're not afraid of any shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a different cut from a different cloth. Yeah, yeah. 
you will not scare them with anything. They could go with a knife on a bear. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Yeah. People will not scare them. So when you live in that kind of environment, you kind of get cleansing, I would say, you know. And then after a few years there, many different troubles, you know, which I went through as a child, you know, it's happened. We moved more west, but still on the eastern part of the Soviet Union at that time. Our Ural Mountains place, you know, again, my parents just changed place to work and we stay there a few years. It's become already more westernized um, scenery with people, buildings and everything. Well, it's still very deep Russian side, you know, and it's beautiful again, you know. And not much there, only I start go to school and then next thing we moved again back uh, um, west again <laughs> to European now part where where my parents and grandparents from uh, because we originally were from area where a few nations were neighboring like Tatar, Chuvash, Mardwa and Russians and my parents, grandparents lived in a place where called Trioch Baltaeva, on like uh, three language speaking, you know, if you translate it, you know, mm. and they speak freely on these three languages. Do you understand? Yeah, like, yeah. There's no accent <laughs> because the neighboring over there is so close. It's like people mixed like that, all nationalities, you know. Tatar is Muslim, but it does matter in Soviet Union nobody cares about this you know really all languages nations it was an incredible mix of these things and we came to this place but not exactly where they have been born but a little bit north of this it's called small little city I call it small little shitty city <laughs> <laughs> but where I got everything what the human experience could get through. I mean, after that, basically, uh, I didn't get anything new, no matter how far and how <laughs> where I traveled. That city gave me such a deep understanding of the world. And like a, it's a litmus paper, you know? Litmus test, yeah. Yes, it's. It's a small city, 50,000 people population, you know, but incredible combination of incredibly intelligent people from one side, from other side is uh, uh, criminals, you know, thieves, prostitutes, uh, um, drugs, uh, dealing people, you know, and you live between that. <laughs> you study in a school. Because it's no separations, no private schools. Like uh, kids from the top level of people of the city, like uh, uh, governing <laughs> city people, and the people from the poorest, <laughs> they study in one class. <laughs> so you are there. And you have no problem with that. It's kind of social uh, leveling, you know. 
Yeah. And that's why you get that experience. And I got this, you know, from one side, I was a very good student in the school. Uh, always my mom was happy with my studies, you know, and that's why I was attached to this top level families in in the city. And from one side, and from the other side, I was neighboring, living in the same um, big apartment uh, building with that low drugs and <laughs> prostitutes and all the other things. Yeah, you got it. That's a real. That's a <laughs> you know, ground running and the life skills. You see, completely drunk people at the evening, you know, fighting, you know, <laughs> and then you're going. To the library and you're reading books, you know. I was a very good reader uh, until like uh, almost like ending like uh, mid school time. I read all classical literature already. I mean, American, French, German, and uh, everything, you know. When I came to America, I was surprised that Americans do not know American directors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do you know who is Fanny Moore Cooper? <laughs> like, do you know Ogendry, Edgar Poe, <laughs> and something like that? Like, do you know Chief of Redskin, <laughs> the Chief of this uh, Ogendry, you know, or the, the road you take, <laughs> you know, something. People don't know this. I'm like, oh my goodness, how the hell is that, you know? <clears throat> so, that kind of mix in me, and I'm growing, and I'm growing from two sides, you know. This is drunkards, you know, fighters, and this is top-level intelligent people whom giving you literature, they teach you good manners, you know. Um, I, I know what is classical music is, what is opera, what is ballet, you know, and the side. <laughs> and it's kind of came out very harmonical, you know. That's why any bad place I'm getting, I'm like, oh, I know this. <laughs> no problem. I know these people. I know how that. It's not about nationality. Do you understand? Mm. It's a social yeah. thing. It's nothing to do with the color, with the language. You see, it's just one thing behind this. Level of education, and level of where you are in a society only, basically, you see. And growing like that, you're not kind of uh, looking at the world like with a surprise, like, why oh, my God, happened. You know why it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's all these consequences, you know. And you understand what does it mean social equality, these things, and where it's coming from. And sometimes people blame society, but actually it's not so much society as your own desire to go somewhere. At least it was related to me directly. Yeah. And uh, I was not on the side of drunks. I didn't drink these things. I, I, I participate in fightings. It's street things. You can't avoid this uh, when it's... Uh, one street to another goes, yes, it you go the dangerous part. <laughs> and many people gone <laughs> whom I knew at that time. But um, you have to be very conscious and you have very sharp perception in fighting. And without any boxing schools, you know how to fight, <laughs> basically. And know 
who is the dangerous and the most dangerous in fighting quiet people mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah they're not talking shit they're no. not pushing they're not saying no. get back they're not doing <laughs> any of that yeah no you're coming and you see that guy quiet guy and almost with a friendly face <laughs> this is trouble <laughs> coming from you know. so it's um very interesting experience but uh, i was lucky i was um, kind of had the good desire to go into sport and track and field is my love was but it's in that city track and field nobody was developing so i needed to go to the cross country ski where it was a very good school top level school and high level uh, coach whom was um, uh decide to teach people and give them best you, you know we get for free equipment you understand the um these gyms this uh, skis all these things you understand it's yeah that was the social part of the soviet union that you go to the that school you get free equipment which you're using you know so i spent quite long time with the cross country ski never become a good one you know um, but i got lots of experience good health uh, and good company with people whom i work with and good teachers obviously but my love to track and field still was like uh, burning coils you know like inside me and um, in two last years in high school i made decision radical decision i start training myself in track and field and high jumping. Do you understand? Yeah. And I was so devoted and so driving guy that my head teacher in my school in the, uh, physical culture, he respected this me, uh, that my desire and my drive, and he gave me key from the gym. I could come anytime there and wow. put mats over there myself and jump. Nobody else there. Uh, I, were you so so did you were you able to enter competitions as the only track and field athlete from your school? Yes, uh, my my school <laughs> record still there. But but you were the only one doing yeah, it, right? So like you could yes. have you could have been dead last and you still would have the school record. It's correct, but <laughs> it's like homeschooling. You were the homeschool but champion. But the, the point is that <laughs> my record still there. I was a few years ago I visited this and on a, a list. And now there's an actual team in the in the yeah. records still my records over there in high jumping long jump it's my records there. you you understand yeah. nobody yeah. and th- that city record still mine wow from 1969 oh yeah <laughs> so you understand uh, people kind of they respect that kind of drive you have they see that you're sincere. And when I, in high school, in um, last year in high school, I become our Republic, Chuas Republic uh, champion in high jumping. I got full respect from everyone for my drive, you know. But uh, the point is that probably my love to high jumping, I still play in the... Um, my high school team in basketball because of my jumping <laughs> i was one of the best players in my high school but basketball i loved but 
high jumping was <laughs> favorite, complete favorite. I was so crazy that I would go with my friends and with girls and I would jump to some leaves, some branches, <laughs> touch it. <laughs> they are like, you're a crazy guy. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I wanted so much be tall guy, but my heritage was not <laughs> favorable for me. You know, I when I look at you <laughs> with your <laughs> height, I'm like, oh my god, this is... my son probably pick up my jeans <laughs> like in my desire, <laughs> and now he's six two. You know, <laughs> and I, I'm five eight. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that driving thing drive me to the university <laughs> in a special faculty with um, physical culture, physical education, and sport. I came as a track and field athlete, and it was in the capital of our republic. I was a small city in the, uh, 80 kilometers. Um, I, I don't know in miles, <laughs> what is it? 80 kilometers from my city. It was a capital city, Chebaksari, where I got into the faculty and started my studies there. And at that time, everything started turning much faster. <laughs> it was a kind of um, tipping point for everything, you know. It was so interesting for me to study all of these things what I study in a, a faculty, like biology, anatomy, physiology, psychology, and all those things, and plus all disciplines in sports. Obviously, I trained for track and field, high jumping. And on the second year on university, I understood that I really want to go to the science, you see. And my physiology teacher, incredible, intelligent man, he told, yeah, you have good potential there. He told, I inspire you. And he gave me lots of advices. And start, I started studying physiology, not by the textbooks for our faculty, but by the textbooks for medical universities. So much higher level. So obviously, it gave me lots of pluses you know, of knowledge. And I become one of the best students and I, I finished with um, on a diploma you know all best records on these things but it was just very interesting for me you know it's yeah it was your passion so yes, probably right. didn't it, feel it, like work it was not it work mm -hmm. not laboring none it was just so much interesting to entering to the philosophy and psychology and the physiology on different levels you know and I told you, I started studying biomechanics beyond of the, my course at that time, you know. So I studied, I traveled a lot at this time because I was already in my university team and my republic team. So uh, I spent lots of time on um, uh, um, training uh, camps. Uh, during winter, we were on the south path <laughs> with warm, <laughs> you know, like... Black Sea uh, uh, region with much warmer temperatures than in our place. But it didn't affect my study because I would take my textbooks with me and all people like 
Are you crazy? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just want to read this, this study. So, uh, uh, study of this didn't make me feel kind of difficult. You know, it was easy. It was kind of harmonical combination of my drive in sports and my studies in other uh, as a teacher. But science already was like very much in my horizon. Was I? I didn't think of, of myself as a teacher, more as a scientist. You, you mm -hmm. see, it? Yeah. It, in the second year in the university, it's happened. I become teacher <laughs> later on. It's inevitable because I got diploma <laughs> and I passed this through these things, but. Science was driving force, you know, besides the high jumping itself. And, and my results were growing. You know. During this time, many discoveries happened, obviously. My curiosity was incredibly uh, painful for myself because what I was wondering about, it didn't exist in science. <laughs> this is how I wanted to be in the best um, places where I could study science and I found that place which I later uh, entered into. It was a um, founder of Soviet Union high jumping school, Professor Dyachkov, top level guy. I mean, his intelligence is remarkable, you know. He finished architecture university, but at the same time he finished <laughs> Uh, physical culture and sports university too, you know. Mm. He was an incredible guy. Many times uh, Soviet Union record holder in pole vault jumping, but he jumped uh, high jumping as well, but not so well as pole vault. But high jumping was his passion, you know, and the that allows him to produce that school. It's still alive, you see? Cool. And I'm so proud that I'm from that school. I was one of the, his last students. I entered to his, um, it's called postgraduated um, studies. Like mm -hmm. in, in Russia, we call aspirantura. It's like PhD studies. Yeah. In 1976. And, and he died, unfortunately, in January 1981, mm. you know. But I spent enough years to, in connection with him to understand what this man was. He was an athlete, teacher, and scientist, you know. And his name was uh, Dead in Russian. It's like... Uh, in English, it could be translated like grandpa, you know. <laughs> yeah. His nickname was, you know, everywhere. <laughs> Incredibly intelligent man, you know. Uh, I got from him. Usually he kind of um, was blaming like, uh, because he was in Moscow, you know, because it, that was, uh, it's a central institute, um, of sports, like science uh, studies in sport, Vnik in college, um, all Russian science institute of sports, you know, and I was a student of this place. And he usually was kind of um, uh, blaming our, us provincials who 
come to me like he's like you provincials uh, have no idea what general system theory is you know <laughs> something like what is cybernetics you should you should read he didn't know that I already started to read this <laughs> and I was smiling <laughs> I am already there you know and many things like that but he was a top level guy you know in the Soviet Union sports science field you know and it gave me a tremendous foundation for my development uh, so career goes like that I finished my university with the only diploma to the US Army for one year it's oblig obligation you mm -hmm. know but because I had the university diploma I had only one year there and plus because I was an elite athlete I was in the sport division I didn't carry a duty of soldier I was training there basically yeah. in one place in Kazan you know it was a, a top um, uh, tank officers preparation okay. like a university almost it's called Uchilishi but it's I don't know how to <laughs> translate it exactly um, but top officers Guderian uh, German uh, general tank uh, army's um, field marshal finishes that place you know he studied in this tank uh, university in oh, Kazan cool. You know, yeah. it was, they were very proud about this. <laughs> so one year I was just there training, performing for army and all was cool. You know, I had a few times like a release to my family. Um, I was an early uh, um, married guy, you know, like I fell in love with my lady in the first uh, year in university. She was from uh, um, foreign languages faculty, and we hooked up. And <laughs> <laughs> the third year, we got married. You know, very quickly. This uh, like um, uh, no fool around. <laughs> At age twenty-two, I was a uh, boom. You know, and uh, when I I. I with uh, I finished university, I got my first child. You know, we had four. We have four, but the first child was born, so no fool around. But I spent one year in army, came back. My daughter grew up, and I was invited back to the faculty, work back in the same faculty as a. Uh, what's called assistant um, teacher in um, track and field. First, first two years I was a track and field coach, not coach, teacher, and uh, was a coach of um, our team, university team as well. Uh, but I still was performing. You understand? <laughs> it's a funny thing. <laughs> I was still performing as a high jumper, but at that time I got. Uh, my crisis in this case because when you're teaching people right it's a responsibility you have to teach them good that they would pass exams uh, and different kind of tests and so on and I was teaching this and I'm thinking damn actually 
I don't know how to teach you. Do you understand? Like mm -hmm. after <laughs> this four years of studies <laughs> on a diploma <laughs> going through the science, I'm realizing at that time that actually I have no idea how to teach. What teaching should be in my head as a uh, whole global uh, thing actually was um, oh, far away from what I thought it should be. You, you see? Yeah. And I understood that teaching in our field was basically it's a matter of um, experience, traditions. This is what the American sport based on. <laughs> 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 but not real teaching. No method. Particularly in events, you know. Basically teach it, teaching you like, do like that. Hmm. Why like that? Copy me, copy that elite guy, you know. Something like, you see, Michael Phelps swimming, swim, swim like uh, him, <laughs> oh, and high jumping like him. You, you should jump like Dwight Stones, it's American names, you know, or Fosbury, Richard Fosbury, unfortunately, he left this world last year. Incredible man. <laughs> uh, flop. Yeah, flop, you know. A very interesting thing about him. I wanted to meet him and I didn't get chance, unfortunately. I asked many people to set up meeting with him and never happened, you know, unfortunately. Uh, I consider that his, uh, what he jumped, his own technique, not just Fosbury technique, <laughs> flop, but what, how he jumped, it's still standard top-level standard. No one in the world is jumping like him. It doesn't matter that people jump 20 centimeters higher, like Javier Sotomayor in the world record. His technique still the best. You, you know, yeah. it's like uh, when people talk about technique and running, for example, I'm like, well, guys, they think modern time, like best run, no. <laughs> Look back, Pao Nurmi. I'm sorry, <laughs> he was running <laughs> like you should run, you know. And goes, I can go with many names because I studied these things. And uh, Emil Zafapik, for example, uh, as well as a standard. But nobody understand that at the time what is standard is, you know. And nobody even think about this. What people thought like about running, oh, just a just around. When I send my book pose method to legend, Australian legend, uh, Herb Elliot, it's a unbeaten miler, uh, Olympic champion in 1960. He wrote to me an email like, oh, pose method makes sense for me, but in our time, we didn't think how to run. We just run. <laughs> that is a epitome, you know, of all of them. You see, because uh, everyone agreed, like, with the understanding running, like, it's natural. But what behind natural, nobody give a damn, you know. I just think, it's 
Individual, okay. Natural, individual, where you can go. <laughs> and next one is lucky. <laughs> you know? Because this is how people think, you know. It's like, if it's natural, individual, why the hell so many injuries there, <laughs> you know? That question should be raised. And I raised for myself, but nobody else done at that time. So, journey continues. I got, at that time, this crisis, you know, I start thinking. As a teacher, I'm completely unsatisfied with how I teach. Do you understand? It's like internal burning thing, <laughs> like shame. <laughs> 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 like, and it's not thinking, you know. And in this case, I would consider myself lucky one, you know, just an incredibly lucky one. It's two years of this burning condition like that, going through the different kind of studies, like I study ballet. I was lucky again, I had friends, ballet dancers, you know, I was invited to the rehearsals, I saw how they do these things, I read books about ballet, and when I'm reading books, like they have just a fair five basic position over there, you know? The whole ballet based on five positions, you know? It kind of dropped in my mind something, which later on came up <laughs> with this name. I was studying karate, martial arts, and again, my teacher was a um, local guy, a lawyer, but he had 10 black down <laughs> on that Kyushan Kai style. I, I got tremendous. I was a good street fighter, but there I got <laughs> skill. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more technique. Yeah. yeah, right. So, but that burning question of method, I'm reading through the textbooks and method, no method of teaching, you know, real method. No matter how people call this method, but method as a way of doing this didn't exist. So, in one October day, so it's very close, uh, soon it will be <laughs> interesting thing, it would be 46 years <laughs> of that point. Wow. Oh. All right. It's exactly um, how old my younger daughter, <laughs> you know, because she was born <laughs> this year. <laughs> That's why I remember well. <laughs> in October day, I was coming back from another like painful experience of my teaching students. And because my track um, place, the track stadium in my apartment building where I live in the center of, very close to university, was very close. And I was going back home under the drizzling rain, you know, and I think, what the hell is that? And suddenly that, how her moment happening, you know, like, like that, it came name, you understand? Name. A name was Pose. It's, it's kind of suddenly like enlightenment, you know, like, oh my goodness, it's so really simple. It's just a pose. <laughs> what defined everything? In any movement, we're just moving through the incredible amount of different poses, but among that, so many unaccountable poses exist key poses which define this movement and we recognize by these poses what event is that 
Is it baseball, football, basketball? Just suppose and you know what is it. High jumping, everything, you know? But uh, my point was for can field, obviously, I wanted. And suddenly I understood how I should build, uh, how to teach high jump, how to teach long jump, triple jump, how to teach um, uh, javelin throwing, disc throwing, shot put, and running. And running in this case was easy one because it was only one pose. And high jumping three, and long jump basically running plus two there, you know, three, and so on. I just run to my assistant guy and start dictate for him. He was like on these machines, you know, like typewriter. Three pages, original text, you know, pose method. I still couldn't find it in my files this original text <laughs> so many people ask me about this i couldn't find it because it was yellow pages you know paper you know um that typing machine was a piece of crap <laughs> it was a three we put through the uh, copy things three um copies you know and I couldn't find one copy from the Damn. Yes, and then my wife is a philologist, you know, and she took this printed thing and started criticizing me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> first she told, okay, this <clears throat> word in Russian um, dictionary doesn't exist. <laughs> it posed me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I got mad. <laughs> I told I am great. <laughs> <laughs> she argued with me, but then she thought, okay, well, as a originator of this, you have rights. Invent this word. Okay, Posny. <laughs> and then she corrected kind of types, uh, mistakes. Typos, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And this born, you know. In a matter of a week, I start teach Posny method in the Pose method in my uh, university, my students, who were absolutely different specializations. There's swimmers, boxers, wrestlers, track and field too. And success was just right there. It's become so good that students whom I was teaching at that time, they met me a few years when I visited Russia. They told Dr. Romanov, I still Remember your teaching, and I am wrestler, but I know how to teach hurdles, running hurdles. I know how to teach jump. I still remember this, and I know how to do it. It was a big, biggest reward for me, you know. <laughs> and one of the, my best students in among all specialists were uh, boxers and wrestlers, you know. It's interesting thing. Um, later, I developed for boxers specific um, training process for developing hand speed, <laughs> power. Yeah, cool. I I, I thought professionals after that, uh, time to time they invite me and I'm teaching how to develop punch, power of punch. So that process um, become like 
explosive, you know. I was not just happy with developing for track and field. I entered in the cross-country ski, in swimming, in gymnastics, <laughs> wherever I could uh, take my long arms. <laughs> to penetrate everywhere, you know. In basketball, volleyball, and I was invited by top teams in our city for the soccer, whom I taught running. Two years, no injuries while I was teaching them. Wow. You see, um, basketball players, volleyball players, one of the uh, top teams in the, uh, what's called level B in this championship in Soviet Union. So I was requested, <laughs> but my track and field colleagues cannot <laughs> accept this. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Well, it's, that's, it's, I mean, that happens in medicine, right? <laughs> the, like they, the first guy who figured out that, um, what was it? Was it, was it in America when they, where they kept having the, um, Children would come out, you know. They the, the the male doctors would go downstairs. They'd they'd start working on cadavers and things like that. They wouldn't wash their hands. They didn't yes, understand right. germ theory. They'd come back up. They'd help a mom deliver the baby, and both the mom and the baby would die. Right. That first guy who said we need to wash our hands, he was fucking outed. Right. <laughs> this guy's insane. Fuck he was out of here. Sued. I'm a doctor. I don't need to wash my hands. Yeah. They went but, after him. It's many cases like that, but uh, the terminology of uh, objecting these things. For example, um, a distance running coach would tell me, my colleague, you know, we studied with him together. <laughs> he would tell me, he knows that I'm high jumper. He's like, what? You high jumper will teach me how to run? <laughs> <laughs> I would be an obnoxious guy, young, you know, obnoxious guy. Like, why not? <laughs> No, they didn't accept this. So I, because I was the head coach of university team in track and field, I start recruit long distance and middle distance runners under my wing, you know, and start preparing them. And they they start beat these guys, you know, <laughs> they get cranky. You know? <laughs> Couple guys start work with me, you know, and we prepared them uh, European. Medalist in long distance running, you know <laughs> this, uh, but the rest still didn't. Up to now, do you understand? <laughs> Damn. Swimmers accepted at that time, you know, but most success I got uh, when I moved to US, and triathletes took this really seriously, you know, and then I work with a few <clears throat> Olympic teams in the US. Uh, Great Britain, you know, and um, El Salvador. Uh, I mean, in Russian as well. Team, they invite me. The last one, <laughs> they finally realized that oh, actually, <laughs> their countryman is doing something good. <laughs> and they invite me, and I work with them five years <laughs> as well. Already being U.S. citizen, you know, yeah, and living here, and I was a foreigner there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny thing, you know. The, they call me in Australians, in the foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> so that um, started, and I transferred myself. By that time, as a high jumper, I got in trouble. I had knee pain. It's usual thing. It's called 
um, high jumper's knee and the different ankles problems uh, and pose came and suddenly I changed my jumping. Do you understand? Yeah. Jumping. I changed it. And 10 years extended my careers in high jumping. Wow. You, you understand? Yeah. I got my best results in age 33. That's so cool. Being already <laughs> head coach, um, uh, senior lecturer in the, the few disciplines <laughs> and then uh, finishing my PhD and being already father of two at <laughs> the time, <laughs> you, you know. And then um, I got my best jumps 10 years, no injuries in high jumping. That is what, and final jump was like seven feet. I just jump uh, at this age, but then. I was involved so much already in science and, and teaching and coaching that my performance started dropping down because I didn't have time. And kids, you know. Uh, so Kids take a lot of time. Yes, no and, and then my Severian was born, you know. <laughs> and kind of my last performances was when he was three years old. i holding him like that and I'm staying in... Pietistal, I was num number three in the Republic. My two students were number one, number two, and I was uh, still three. <laughs> That's cool. And Severin was in my hand. Like, I was still there. Uh, we have this picture, but he doesn't remember much. That He was just a happy boy growing. You know. So that is a process, you see, going on. Uh, and But more I involved with post method, I wanted published. You know, my PhD was in a different direction. It was high jumping preparation over there was uh, highest quality uh, jumpers uh, preparation to the uh, racing performance. And but I wanted to publish pose. I published articles, you know, like booklets and so on. But I wanted to develop high degree on post method. And I came to Moscow to my supervisors and my colleagues top level and showed them this <laughs> pose method. And um, head coach of the national team, uh, Russian national team at that time, my colleague as well. And they both told me like, it's interesting, but the guy from science particularly told me, I wouldn't advise you come up with that in a as a dissertation and go with that, you will be buried alive by authorities. <laughs> it was so controversial. And I understood, yeah, I have to wait or something, you know. And I didn't start again quickly, immediately after my PhD defense, develop next level dissertation. I thought like, okay, <laughs> Probably I will not succeed much there. You know? Even I had interest from colleagues, you know. But at that time, accidentally already, I was already father of four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my older daughter um, traveling to U.S. got acquainted with American and she, uh, he proposed her marriage, you know. And um, we like, What's going on? You know, <laughs> but the guy told 
don't worry, I'll take care. But you guys, like, he had money, guys, you know, we didn't know this, but he told, I'll take care. Like, he invited us to U.S. He lived in Miami, and uh, uh, he paid for a trip for whole family. Do you understand? Yeah. Whole, whole family. And uh, settled a wedding party in Miami, you see. So we're like, okay, daughter won't marry him. That's kind of okay, which <laughs> it's another miracle that we got uh, visas from U.S. Embassy for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a child, you know. But we wanted just them, uh, that exotic Miami experience, you know. My wife, she was already a PhD in English philology at that time. So we highest level, and I was head of the department. She was head of the department in the U.S. as well, only in foreign languages. We, we settled very much, very well at that time. But that travel for us, we had no idea about moving somewhere, you know. We had very good life in this case, you know, settle. Even turbulence of politics was, you understand, this is 90s, it was horrible <laughs> turbulence in the Soviet Union. It's a drop of Soviet Union and everything yeah. broken. But it didn't attach to us. We were university teachers and like we were busy with kids. I was busy with sport, science and so on. But we fly to Miami for a couple of weeks of vacation, basically, you know, wedding finished, we're happy, we live there in the beach and <laughs> all these things. <laughs> and suddenly my older daughter already married and another one who is finished high school at that time, they told, well, if you are coming back, my sister will stay with me here. She doesn't want to go back. <laughs> And we kind of broken mind, <laughs> like a decision, you see, what to do, you know. And the son-in-law told, okay, I'll give you lawyers, you know, <laughs> if you want to stay, like, please do, you know, if you want to. It was a time when lots of people moved, you know. We were quite in panic, you know. Uh, but my wife was a very brave woman, you know. She speaks freely English, German, you know, a very educated woman. She thought, well, we can try it, you know. At least I have a baby and I have two years of vacation by the uh, Russian um, uh, rules, social rules. Like uh, she uh, have kind of. Um, Taking care of baby, you know, mm, okay, yeah. maternity, maternity leave. leave, yeah, yes, officially, you know, she thought I have it, so don't worry, only you. I thought, well, I will probably lose my job, <laughs> you know, and we start our life uh, in Miami and live the thirty years <laughs> nonstop. Wow, and that. Uh, again, I didn't know what to do. I start from different things like. Uh, um, a constructing worker, <laughs> very skillful, you know, <laughs> with a notch of my <laughs> 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 
my English was sucks, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would come work, and my boss with uh, no knowledge at all, just a guy who uh, running things, you know. But uh, uneducated guy would come to me. Uh, I'm in mean, on the work, and I see he is suffering with the back pain. You know, I'm like, hey, can I help you? Like, can I help you? So, you help me? <laughs> like, who the hell you? Are? <laughs> you know, he think uh, was thinking probably like a Mexican kind of things. You know, <laughs> he knew is a Russian, but level foreigner. Yeah, yeah foreigner. You know? Right. Not a lot of respect. Yes, right. Yeah. I'm like, well. Let me just try help you. I see you suffering. You, you have pain. He told, oh, well, like, I will be alive. I'm like, yes, you will be alive. <laughs> Boom, half an hour, pain gone. He like, eyes like that. He like, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, I was humble. I didn't tell who I am before. Like, I just work for 10 bucks per hour. <laughs> That's it. And I have to open up a little bit, you see. And so, well, I'm an educated guy, you know. This is, I know what this. He was so much was in respect that I saved his back, you know, without going to the hospital. At the same evening barbecue in my own, in respect to me, you know. So that kind of things. And then, Somebody, we live in place, somebody told the um, guy who work in a um, rehab place, the physiotherapist, that we have one Russian guy who has interesting uh, um, um, capacity and <laughs> capability of rehab. So, oh, let, bring him here. <laughs> you know? I thought, oh my God, maybe I will get job, you know, <laughs> like a rehab guy, you know. I'm coming to the, this place. It's a very big rehab clinic, you know. He told, what you would uh, tell us about yourself and so on. And um, uh, I am telling, look, my English sucks. I couldn't tell you anything <laughs> right now, something smart particularly. Uh, let me just do something for you. If you have a client, your client here, like patient with some pain, like, and I'll show you how I do. And he told, oh, well, he called three more guys to his office, uh, rehab guys, physiotherapist, and one lady, she's from running, <laughs> you know, both knees in pain and swollen. <laughs> Couldn't do squat, you know. And um, uh, I asked them what is diagnosed, what they did, you know, and check myself what is that there. And I understood the diagnosis was wrong, <laughs> you know, but I didn't tell them this because, like, why I should upset them. <laughs> and I stopped work with this lady. And this guy's like telling him, you immediately stop him if you feel that discomfort, pain, or anything. Just, we're giving him this capacity, but you are completely stopping immediately, anytime, <laughs> you know, like, okay. <laughs> and uh, I start work with this lady, with her knees, and 
something 25-35 minutes came through and she she started crying. This guy jumped on me, hold me. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do that, that harm this lady? And and she's crying. She saw that they start blocking me. Like, no, 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 no. Let him continue. And they're like, why are you crying? She said, I'm so happy, no pain. <laughs> <laughs> and then she jumped from the this uh, bed, uh, therapeutic bed, and put shoes on, squat. And then she said, oh, my God, I can do squat, <laughs> no pain. And she jumped on me, hugging me. So it was like, uh, I'm like, oh, my God, I got job. And then this guy told, okay, thank you, Dr. Romanov. See you. I left and came home and then called my son a little. I got a very interesting meeting today. And probably I got job. He told, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then no call, no call, no call, you see? And I'm calling these guys who knew them and tell, what happened? It seems like a very positive meeting was there. And, and this guy telling, look, I don't want to upset you, you know, but these guys don't want you to see any more around. <laughs> That's it. My career stopped a lot. <laughs> no, you fixed her in a day, right? You fixed her in an hour. They want her coming back. It was a funny thing, like, but I was... A I was really upset, you know, absolutely. Like for me, it was like, what? You don't want to have someone who will enhance your production, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but they were, and then I met these things many times, you know? But at the same time, I met very open and very friendly people who really wanted to help me. And, invite me to work with them. And one of the cases was the funniest thing, you know. <laughs> we got called um, uh, to our house. <laughs> the one strange guy calling like, Bob Beeman, this legend in uh, Long Jump, who got my name somewhere. I don't know where from he got this. Recommended to this guy who was a director of junior Olympic development of USA triathlon, Kyle Sage, um, former world-class swimmer, who mentioned that he is a good triathlete and in swimming he's perfect, you know, bike is, and running is shit, you know, he told, oh, I give you a name and telephone of this guy from Russia, he will help you with that. And he immediately called me, <laughs> you know, and my wife was like, Oh, it's very interesting. You can come and my husband will teach you. Two hours later, this guy appears <laughs> in our place. <laughs> he was so determined. His name, Kyle Sage. It's a legend in our family. <laughs> you know? Obviously, he become a very dear friend of our family. Almost like a family member, you know. But it was later. Now he's coming, and I started teaching him through my wife, you know. <laughs> because my, he told, well, I got it. Two hours torturing, you know. 
he went back and told, tomorrow morning I will run half marathon myself, where I will be opening director of this half marathon, but I will run myself to check this, what you taught me. If everything goes, I will come back to you again. Okay, we're waiting. <laughs> Next day, afternoon, he is driving to our place and telling, I took 20 minutes off from my half marathon. I need you. We're going to Gainesville. Awesome. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Boom. In his car, drive, what, four hours, six hours to Gainesville from the... And I start work with the junior national team. Damn, like that. In triathlon, yes. He was a very proactive guy, you know. He had no prejudices of any kind because he's a swimmer, you know. Yeah. And he needed running, you know. He, was, he wasn't attached to running. Yes. He didn't, he didn't have any dogma. Right. That's it. And I started work in 1994, uh, work with the junior national team, two years. Top level performance at that time, juniors uh, performed. And I got incredible experience. My English become better. <laughs> and I start uh, to give presentation for runners, clubs, and so on. But majorly, I was involved with uh, this uh, uh, junior national uh, team, Olympic junior development through Kyle, you know. He took me to the... Colorado Springs introduced me to the uh, director of USA Triathlon, um, uh, uh, Mr. Locke, <laughs> um, and my career in the triathlon started very quickly. In 1996, I was invited already because of success with the junior national team. I was invited as a uh, member of uh, uh, USA national team coaches um, uh, consulting group you see it, it was uh, about 12 people from us uh, and i was one single foreigner <laughs> in this um, group very advanced people uh, again most of them didn't have uh, experience with running so i kind of put <laughs> fresh blood in this head coach at that time George Dallum, incredibly intelligent and smart man, and very kind man, another thing, very rare quality. But this was a man who was listening, and he wrote first PhD in post method in the US, in the world. <laughs> you understand? I was a supervisor and participant of this project. <laughs> And he defends in the in uh, Albuquerque University that post method uh, PhD. Cool. Yes. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. At that time, um, another guy who was friend with uh, George Dalham, uh, national team coach of um, British triathlon, uh, uh, Graham Fletcher, was invited to visit. <laughs> Um, Colorado Springs camp where I did presentation for running. He told, listen to him. George told to Graham. Graham listened to me. After my lecture, he came to me and told, wow, I, I wanted to write 
PhD on find out different running technique and styles. Now I know that there is no such thing, only post method. <laughs> and so I will be writing post method. <laughs> That's it. In my career in the British national triathlon team started. Wow. <laughs> and I started traveling to Great Britain. I was both teams serving in, in the Olympic, uh, inaugural Olympic Games in triathlon in Sydney. I was already in the British national team. We traveled to Sydney and I was working with the national team. And I work with few guys from this team. And I say, let's say like that, careers and S's of few guys from British national team. And I taught a bunch of coaches from uh, the Great Britain. So that's it was, super cool. It so was a fruitful yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you, I mean, there's such a long time to incubate and to build mastery mm-hmm. and to have it, you know, there's due to where they say science advances one death at a time or one generation at a time, right? Like to yeah. just be, to be pigeonholed from that. And then you come to a new place and just all of a sudden this flowering takes off and the career right. takes off. Uh, the, you understand that you're meeting people who really open mind and they have no prejudice. They're giving you opportunity immediately. I met, I was fortunate, let's say like that, just, in any other circumstances, it was be uh, drawn back again. <laughs> well, opportunity favors the prepared, right? Is that <laughs> well, the quote? Probably yeah, so yes. You had, you had all the all the preparation necessary, so right. when you were in the right place at the right time, right, you could back it up. And while I continue this journey, um, uh, and developing different kind of science projects. And then after that was Graham was defends his PhD in, in Sheffield University in post method and few PhDs. Right now, I have on on my belt seven PhDs in post method. You know, in different directions. It's all like it. And plus, I offered cycling post method, and it was written few articles in um, Brunel University. We developed a uh, project, uh, science project, very interesting one. And uh, we developed, I was invited to uh, New Zealand to Otago University in Dunedin, way down on the island there. In this university, uh, we developed project in sprinting uh, blocks starting blocks a pose method and uh, rowing, rowing yeah. very interesting project very successful but nobody took same thing though same concept yes, you're looking right. for these poses you know yes, that originated in in seeing the simplicity of ballet and it's, some of these different things right correct. so when the light bulb goes off uh, now you want to apply it everywhere yes right nature built by the one matrix nature doesn't go like Nature found this and built all around this movement, built around this matrix. Absolutely for everything. Our body is a matrix of how we are consuming gravity. This is not about muscles. Gravity is not about muscles. <laughs> gravity is about your body position. <laughs> muscles are serving pose, yes. 
muscles serving body weight? Yes. But ruling thing is gravity. And then I would tell you uh, heartwarming stories about this many times, but okay. In 2007, <laughs> it happened this army things, you know. We got a call from unknown man, Captain Blake <laughs> from Fort Seal, which tomorrow we will fly to. <laughs> and this guy is telling, physiotherapist, he's telling, I heard something about Paul's method and I have this trouble in my settlement, it's like Fort Seal. We have lots of injuries of our soldiers, you know, and we have no idea how to solve this problem. And somebody told me that you could be guys whom I can <laughs> be with. We're like, whoo! <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Severin settled things, uh, like payment, traveling, everything. We're flying to this Oklahoma <laughs> area, this unknown Lawton city, small city, but very big port seal. It's artillery seal. <laughs> and we, we have been there a few days and we transfer them. Do you understand? Transfer. In a month or two, already we got called from the same Captain Blake. He told, people start calling me and asking, what the hell are you doing, guys? You know, because your rate of injury suddenly start going talk, down. Talk about, drop some stats on the rate of injury. Because when I, when I took your class, I was, I mean, I have a lot of friends that were in the military, family members, things like that. It, it, it made sense to me when you said it, but it, it fucking blew my mind at the same time. You know, like, it, like it, it blows my mind how much it costs the military with that. So talk a little bit about that because that, oh, that's unbelievable for most people. It's, <laughs> we didn't know these things, right? And our first attempt was earlier a little bit, but unsuccessful. Um, our uh, family uh, friend, four-star general, uh, he kind of heard this talk, uh, Severin talk about these things, and he heard this, he told, he was retired by the time, but for star general, you know, he told, I think it, you, it will be very useful for U.S. Army, you know, I know these problems. Let's go together to Carlisle settlement, you know, where the scientific lab of U.S. Army, you know, and I will be your guide and your supporter. And we flew <laughs> to Washington and to Kyle. Severin, me, and General. I don't mention his name right now, but maybe Severin will tell later. But incredible fellow. Intelligent, smart, good talker. I mean, good man, you know, what I can say only about him. And so we flew there. His rank opened all the doors. <laughs> 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 People coming spending <laughs> that attention, yeah, everybody. <laughs> oh, first time we came to the entrance, and then some kind of guy, like a, a low rank guy, coming to our car, like checking our things. <laughs> General give him his um, idea. 
Just go. <laughs> you just straighten right up. We start laughing because we said, "Guys, didn't ask who we are." Yeah, no questions now. <laughs> until now, I'm laughing to tears. <laughs> General was happy with that. We went there, and these guys, because of his rank. They organize for us everything, meetings, everything. They listen our presentation, but they boycotting. This science group, which should be serving army, you know, with this help. No, they were busy with their own shit, you know, <laughs> and they didn't want to be involved because it's not there. Do you understand yeah. the main thing? When we left after that, and we went to the um hotel and we went to the dinner with him he told i'm sorry guys i saw the reaction they uh basically didn't want because it's not there it's not the problem isn't there where you guys were at right and the problem is that that it yes. costs the u.s army 500 million dollars a year in it, running injuries it's correct right but these guys didn't give a shit about this. Yeah, because it's not that their problem necessarily, right. right? And he apologized. I'm told, General, you're not guilty one. You did whatever. You did massive amount for us. But it's not what you can do with these guys, you know? They're busy with something else. So, and that call came, you know, from Charles Blake. <laughs> Right now, he's a dear friend of us. <laughs> he's a colonel. <laughs> and we're basically promoting him through entire years <laughs> in his development. Uh, he become one of the biggest authorities in his field. Right now, he's running hospital in Columbia, uh, army or hospital. <laughs> so this effect was like that. We start getting invitations from all over. We start traveling to the forts, <laughs> Fort Hood, um, Fort um, uh, uh, Stewart, I mean, uh, many forts, you know, and we become welcome, you know, because the results were so good, you know. That, uh, <laughs> and finally, a few guys who work with us, physiotherapists, who were my students, but they, Colonel Blake, um, Colonel, now Colonel Rashid, <laughs> at that time captain as well, Fatwell, you know. He's an English guy, but become American because he married and his army uh, rank he got in the U.S. Army. And then a few guys like um, uh, Angie DeBault from now, which uh, force she's working now in Tennessee somewhere. She become colonel as well, you know. Oh, wow. She wrote this PhD on the compartment syndrome treatment uh, in West Point on pose method, you know. <laughs> Incredible effect. No medicine. Two weeks. Yes. Yeah, two weeks, no medicine, no, no surgery. No compartment syndrome. And now we come back to this injury. I mean, the effect was incredible. So, and Petwell becomes the head of the group writing new uh, uh, health and fitness doctrine for U.S. Army. And he involved us 
and pose method is there now. It's in the manual. Right. The training manual. It was uh, introduced to the on the top level in uh, Washington, D.C., on the U.S. Army, uh, whatever, it's uh, top level guys. And first, when it was introduced, they saw it pose method of they were taken, like taken. Name, my name, it's taken. But generals who were work, uh, who were supposed to put stamp on it told, we know this is a pose method. <laughs> 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 we know that the doctor is there. Why is not there? <laughs> so Colonel Feltz told, "We will put back," <laughs> and they put by name, my name, and several names <laughs> with gratitude from U.S. Army. <laughs> mm, cool. <laughs> we signed with them this uh, contract. We are giving this as a gift for U.S. Army, with no any. A requirement for this for free forever if you want to use it. That's it. This is now your <laughs> and now we're applying to Fort Seal again. You know, after so many years back, old place to do the same thing because people now already know what they're inviting for us. Uh, that, but one more heartwarming um, story. In 2016, when I still was working uh, with the Russian team. Uh, head coach, uh, who knew scientists uh, from medical biological science of, uh, so, um, it's former Soviet Union, but it's Russian, who work for the uh, space science and who, um, uh, head of this, this department and this group was a incredible lady, um, Inessa Kozlovskaya, who was putting first dog, first, first man, and so on in the space. She was complete authority. And he told through someone her about Paul's method in me, and she told, well, let's do a meeting. In 2016, we had this meeting with her in her office in Moscow. And her assistant, like she was 90 years old at that time, and her assistant, professor, too, lady, like 50, 55, something. So she told us, okay, you guys have 15 minutes with her. She's busy. We have meetings. Like, okay, 15 minutes. And we, I told, I'm fine, absolutely. To meet legends like her, God damn it, 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm happy with that. We're coming to her and start talking. This lady coming like, hey, Nita, she told, postpone, postpone, <laughs> two hours we talked to her. Wow. <laughs> she was so happy. I was so happy. <laughs> the guy was sitting, was quiet. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> interrupt her because ideas, what we came through, she's through science, this labs and science of space and we came to the same things you know <laughs> yeah i'll tell you just one thing she thought yeah 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 i found the, the interesting thing all the strength exercise all this didn't help uh, sustain a very good condition of the cosmonaut in the space when they're year around there except only one thing when they run on the treadmill on mm. the far foot interesting 
because they found the main indicators of that things that you have gravity yeah that you have here on the far foot. foot wow <laughs> and they built special shoes with a knocking like that that place not this over <laughs> here we're on the forefoot with the cadence 180 <laughs> <laughs> 180 steps per minute, the magic number. Yeah, I was like, uh, probably smile never left my face. And there are many other things. Was like, she told, yes, of course, pose. It's a main thing to interact. And muscles who hold pose are the main muscles. <laughs> it was an incredible meeting, you know. Uh, she recommended me even to meet NASA guys, you know, because she knew all of them, this lab, and they had incredible respect to her. I called them and they accept my call only because I told it's in NASA <laughs> was recommended me. Otherwise, never will <laughs> But they, again, busy with something else, you know, neurology. They didn't understand, again, the same thing, you know. She understood, and even her colleagues not. Do you understand? That is what we are, where we are now, you know? And we're trying to build up that. I'm writing a few articles on this matter at this point, and a couple books on this matter. I have already general theory of motion. It's published in very small amount for the a university uh, teaching, uh, like uh, like uh, helping for textbooks, you know. Um, and I wrote a few books related to the sport, like triathlon running, but I want more on general theory of movement. Then, and in the big picture, like how gravity works for us, you know, in movement in normal life, you know, not in space, in the, here, in movement, and what we're supposed to do, and how we have to teach populations, after, like your son, you know, how to move properly, because we're missing this, we are uh, completely losing this uh, population of people, you know, with the poor movement and understanding where movement coming from, you know, there are ignorance uh, and in uh, with the uh, arrogance together you know and these muscles domination you know screwed up people's understanding where the movement comes from movement comes from the gravity this is what we're supposed to gravity is our uh, birthplace <laughs> and the whole universe is the gravity <laughs> place this everything runs by gravity and that simple Understanding and thoughts, not yet in a, a dominating field of science or practice in sport. Uh, we're still uh, relying on developing physiology and the muscles, which are product of gravity. If gravity doesn't change, in science it goes like that. Uh, subject which uh, placed in a very specific uh, surrounding uh, environment is a product of this environment. If environment doesn't change, anything what 
in this subject not change at all. This is what law of development of alive biological organisms. And people want to develop physiology. <laughs> Gravity work on it <laughs> billions of years. And these idiots want to <laughs> develop physiology. <laughs> I call it this um, uh, article like invari invariant physiology. Do you see? We cannot develop physiology. We already developed biggest names like um, English John Bernal in 60s already wrote our evolution, physiological, biological evolution finished long time ago. <laughs> we have no evidence that we continue this evolutionary development. You understand? So we have to develop something else. And what is that? And I came to the conclusion that is we have to develop much higher and better relationship with gravity <laughs> and start consume gravity more. Our apparatus developed by gravity and could be developed only by the request of the gravity. And how gravity is comes as a request in running, for example, it's an angle of falling. We have to develop that falling skill. And then physiology will fit this with no problem. It's called perception of falling in post-method concept. I love it. Man, that was, <laughs> that was fantastic. What a, what a cool and fascinating trajectory. Absolutely mind-blowing. There's a quote that you drop at the beginning of the seminars that I absolutely love uh, from the 6th century BC. Can you give us that? Chongzhu. Uh, it's a... One of the contemporaries of Confucius, Lao Tzu, <laughs> um, and his this quote in English sounds like I don't know. <laughs> I love it. It sounds great. <laughs> Pain is a penalty for violating principle of nature. Pain is the penalty for violating the principles of nature. Six hundred BC. <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's easier for me to understand that when I come back into this relationship of the pose, you know, like as I move through that and, and simplify, especially my thought process in running or general movement, you know, it's everywhere too. It's not like I got to go for a run to run. I warm up in jujitsu while running around the mats. We do, you know, uh, different things at the house. We'll hit some walking lunges and some, uh, jump rope and things like that, and then I'm still I'm still leaning forward as I move forward in in MMA. You know, if I'm boxing and things like that, I'm falling forward to take my steps. You know, as these principles start to come back to me, general movement improves. Like all of it starts to improve, and uh, things hurt less, a lot less. Right? It's fucking it's, it's a miracle <laughs> how that works. But all of a sudden, you know, I remember right, both my wife and I, and she's been you know a great runner, but she too has had lots of injuries, plantar fasciitis, things like that, you know, and I ran for the first time in my life without knee pain. In in three hours of working with you guys, I went from running with some general sense of this doesn't feel good to I have no pain in my body. And it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. Um, I've wanted to have you on the show just to be able to, to beat the drum for the world and, and uh, get your message out. Where can people follow you? You have excellent videos online on instagram mm -hmm. um and of course if people can make it you know I, I highly highly recommend taking a workshop because odds are if you don't like running it's because you've done it incorrectly and you've become hurt from it 
And if you could find a way to, to run correctly, you'd probably love running. That's of my course. guess. You would love it. Everything what you do right and good, you will love it. <laughs> it goes to anything what we are doing. I only add one quote from, from contemporary guy. It's Lawrence Gonzalez. It's a, a writer. His book, Deep Survival. Yep, I read it after you told me about it. It's incredible. <laughs> you remember that quote? Nature doesn't adjust to level of your skill. <laughs> <laughs> Wisdom. You have to understand. You have to adjust. Not nature. <laughs> nature will not. So about what could enhance people's... Um, uh, information, not knowledge, the information about this. Um, my book published in um, Penguin, it's called Re Running Revolution. It's still there. Um, it's on Audible yes. and paperback, but yes, I highly right. recommend the paperback because you actually get to see some of the different poses and, and, right. and pictures, right? And that's, that is a big, especially if you're a visual learner, but it is very important. Even though I, I really learn auditorily when I'm consuming material. I listen to books far more than I read them. But for that one in particular, like you have to you need to see these positions that, that Dr. Uh, Romanoff's talking about. Uh, I am old school guy. <laughs> I like hard printing. <laughs> yeah. I print all the articles what I'm reading, not from a computer print. Um another books which we are offering for people, it's a pose method itself. Pose method Dr. Romanov's Pose Method of Running, or a uh, triathlon book. It's like, uh, it's a um, triathlon events for... Cool, and that talks about the pose that you yes. figured out for cycling and yes, swimming. Right. Okay, um, very cool. Yes. Well, I suck at swimming, so maybe that's what I'll dive into next. <laughs> yeah, we have very good uh, results in swimming, particularly. The, but again, um, traditional school, rejecting these kind of things, you know, because besides pose methods, there is no method of teaching in swimming. It's just the traditions, copy. I, I, I studied this and unfortunately so many smart people cannot accept these things, you know, because of belonging to the paradigm. Mm -hmm. If you read book, Thomas Kuhn's book, <laughs> The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. <laughs> you understand what yeah. is that about? Yeah, we listen to Graham Hancock talk about it through geology, and any, any of these people like they're they're living they're living on, on on the the status quo. They've built their entire career off of it. Right. This is called paradigm. <laughs> this is what Thomas Kuhn came with, and unfortunately, it's um like um, Max Planck, genius. Uh, uh, founder of the quantum mechanics. <laughs> he was uh, writing way back the time. He told, um, all the theories not dying by itself. They are dying together with their creators. <laughs> 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 it's a little bit sad to think of, <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's true, yeah, 100%. <laughs> this is what we're dealing with, you know, unfortunately. Uh, ideas live with people, you know. Even science had incredible people like Planck, so very humble um, example of a real scientist. He was not sure about his quantum theory until he uh, uh, got 
Nobel Nobel Prize for that. <laughs> you, you understand the level? <laughs> Charles Darwin didn't publish his study this 20 plus years. Do you understand? He was not sure. <laughs> you know, it's a, a real um, science sign. You know, that that guy really, you know, science. Uh, Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton. <laughs> Um, he he was credited first to laws, not himself, to other people, like uh, uh, Galileo, Galilei, and so on. And his famous quote, I saw so far only because I was standing on the uh, shoulders of giants. You see, that's a real scientist. <laughs> but um, he was treasured mostly in, in England, um, not for his science, but for the financial system, what he created. <laughs> it's an interesting story to read. <laughs> you know, uh, he was awarded at highest level when he became the key holder of the <laughs> monetary <laughs> funds <laughs> and created this financial theory and practice as well. Since that time, Great Britain. Uh, flourished your financial system up to now still <laughs> lives on that <laughs> um, foundation of the Isaac Newton but that's another story <laughs> that is another story and another topic right. well brother it's been excellent excellent having you on uh, it's a treat uh, I love your sense of humor and I love <laughs> the fact that that every time I see you you've got a giant smile on your face and you really are a person that's you're doing. You're living your dharma. You're in the thing that you love, and you're changing the world. And I appreciate the work that you do, brother. Uh, you smile when you see a very pleasant man who is warming your heart. Only that makes smile by itself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me for that. Very interesting place. Exotic place. <laughs> <laughs> is it West Texas or East? Texas? We're, we're South Texas. South oh, Texas. Oh. Yeah. That's an interesting place. I hope uh, I will not burn down. <laughs> the temperature outside is incredible. It's cooled down 10 degrees, so we're good there. I think if we keep moving on the Gator Ride, we'll be set. I am living now in much mild place in this case, you know. So I'm enjoying weather. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Kyle, my highest appreciation for that talk which made me feel really good. Thank you. Absolutely.